0: Welcome to Swift Unscripted. These Swift podcasts will give you, the listener, the opportunity to hear the inside story and be part of this conversation about all means all with leaders in the field of inclusive education and school-wide transformation. And we're talking with Mary Morningstar. Welcome, Mary.
1: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Of course. I'm
1: thrilled to be here.
0: Yes. Mary is an associate professor at the University of Kansas. Mary is the director of the Transition Coalition. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Transition Coalition? And we're talking with you today about sort of your vision for all means all and how that translates into the high school setting and um, get a little bit of your own history. Oh,
1: well, great. Great. Well, I'm happy to talk a little bit about it. Uh, first of all, starting current history, and maybe I can work my way back over, over the course of this conversation, um, the Transition Coalition is an online professional development website. The focus is primarily on uh, special educators, secondary educators, um, but there's resources and materials and uh, online learning modules. There's a range of Tools and applications that we share with the wider community, what we would call transition stakeholders. So, so
0: do you? I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'll probably do that okay, <laughs> during this conversation. I feel free to shamelessly plug whatever okay, it is that you're involved with. So, if there's a website, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. transitioncoalition.org. All right, transitioncoalition.org. Now, do you have to be a student at the University of Kansas in order to? access the modules, or can anyone, anywhere?
1: Anyone, anywhere. It it was all, it's been 15 years in development. It was primarily federal funding. Mm -hmm. So the Office of Special Education Programs has been a prominent um, supporter of the Transition Coalition. Uh, Almost everything that's on the website is completely open access. So any practitioner, family member, um, teacher can go on and... Um, access the tools and resources. We try to design tools, online tools, engagement tools that folks in the field ask us for. Excellent. And it includes university folks. So we have what we call a PD hub. So we have a lot of university faculty.
0: And PD stands for? Professional development. Great. So it's the PD
1: hub. It can be used by state agencies or by university faculty who might want to include one of our online learning modules as a part of either professional development or as part of coursework. And so it's, a, it's an application f- so that the um, t- teacher or the trainer Can access whether individuals have completed their module before they hold a face-to-face.
0: Okay. So it's
1: a it's a way for the professional development providers to keep up with their class or the folks that they're interested in in following up with Mm -hmm. after learning Mm -hmm. something
0: online. So So these modules, I'm assuming, promote sort of -of state-of-the-art, innovative practices Mm -hmm. in supporting students at the high school level. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe you could just. Give us an idea of what those practices are in sort of easy to understand sure. language.
1: Sure. Uh, well, uh, over the last probably over the last 20 years, we have been able to um, really focus on what the critical research has come out of in terms of both evidence-based practices related to secondary and the transition to adulthood, as well as predictors. So, when we talk about evidence-based practices, uh, I like to help. Um, practitioners understand that the, that's how you can help um, transform student skills. So, those are the different practices primarily that teachers and educators in buildings. Um, or in families in the community would use so that students can improve their skills.
0: Okay. So what do those practices look like? I'm a parent. I have a 14-year-old student who experiences disabilities, and I want to know what should I be looking for for my child when they go into high school. Great.
1: Um, So, But before I answer that question, what I want to do first is also talk about, because I think they're even maybe more essential, and particularly for the SWIFT audience, and those are the evidence-based predictors. Yeah. Okay. So those are the systems-level programs. That also are side by side. So we know a lot about what what uh, what we what interventions work to improve student skills, and we also know a lot about what should their day look like. Mm-hmm. So what should be going on in schools and out in the community in order to ensure that they're achieving their post school goals for mm-hmm. the future. So so with that in mind, um, we certainly know a lot about student centered planning and student focused. Um, Learning And that is really within the realm of uh, self-determination. So students who are more actively engaged in their own learning, particularly in secondary schools, because as we know, uh, secondary schools are fundamentally very different than elementary schools, and I would even say than middle schools. Middle schools are kind of the bridge Mm -hmm. between an elementary school experience and what's going to happen in high school. Um, and the more students are engaged, adolescent learning is all about their own ability to take, start taking control. Um, we know from the dropout prevention research that students have to be motivated and engaged, and engagement can mean multiple things, but it can mean uh, as simple as making sure they're in class, you know, that they have to come to class in order to learn, um, but it also is how they um, view learning, and from a uh, success perspective where they have, they have a good understanding of um, if I pers- persevere and if I persist in learning, that failure isn't a bad thing. It's step one to learning. So as we think about what's so different about high schools, that's a, com- a major True. component True. of it is student-centered planning yep. and student-focused learning. And, and within the transition research there's quite a bit of work that's been established around self-determination skills. So we have um, interventions and there's curricula already in existence that have shown to be highly effective um, related to building those skills, self-advocacy skills, the ability to know yourself, know your own self, uh, to be able to value your your individual as a, a healthy person and a successful young adult, um, and, but also to be able to advocate for the supports that you might need as an individual. So, quite a bit of research on that. I would say to families and to other teachers in the field, if you if you if you don't know about self determination, you don't you're, you do not have access to an evidence-based curriculum or intervention that has those words in it, um, or you have never seen a student run their own IEP meeting, then that's a place to start. Certainly a a strong place that has a lot of evidence behind it as essential for particularly, I think for all kids, but um, by secondary school, by high school.
0: Okay, so number one, we want to make sure that students uh, heading into okay. high school at that that kind of age middle school high school are really learning about how to advocate for themselves right. how to decide what's important in their life what they want their future to look like and how to make sure that they are the ones sort of driving driving that plane. bus planning that path creating the direction. I get that, but what does it look like at the high school level? So I'm a... Good question. Yeah, so a day in the life of a high school student who experiences... Uh, disabilities, maybe more significant disabilities. What, you know? I know what it looked like ten years ago, but what are we hoping it looks like? What does it look like in terms of the the evidence in a really innovative practice?
1: Well, one of the things is, and I'll speak from the perspective of because the other hat that I wear at the university, um, other than thinking about secondary transition to college and career readiness is students with more significant support needs, so students with low incidence disability. Um, Well, what what I had mentioned earlier about evidence-based practices, um, tying to that, here's what a student's day should look like. Um, We have very, pretty strong evidence that um, students who are included in and have access to general education curriculum and context, so they are more likely to have um, more positive post-school outcomes, so they're more likely to go on to a post-secondary educational experience, they're more likely to be employed in integrated employment for real pay and real jobs, Um, and they're
0: more likely to be living on their own. And probably more likely to have friends and involvement in their community and hobbies. Yeah, exactly. So so
1: in, in my mind the, the the ideal day for any student who is in 9th through 12th grade is that they are included in the day to day life both learning and all the other extracurricular experiences are an essential element of college and career readiness so that they are fully immersed in the in the the full environment that's going on in that high school so excellent we so
0: okay let me just okay. so you're saying that a, uh, the schedule the experience of a high school student with a disability with a low incidence disability with any mm-hmm. any type of um, you know challenges within their educational experience should uh, be the same as any other student mm-hmm. so there's the the scheduling, access to extracurricular activities, uh, involvement with guidance counselors, uh, how they get to and from school, that, all, all right, I, I can picture that. Yeah, yeah. So,
1: and what that might look like is, um, it is, and it's not unfamiliar to the SWIFT audience, so we are talking about taking all of the substantially separate programs and practices and transforming that so, so that those supports are being pushed into the, both the academic settings. You know, some people might say, why do kids need algebra? Um, right. you know, that's, that's a class that, that can be challenging for a whole range of students. Um, But, similar to any other, you know, elementary and the middle school, if algebra is being taught with a universally designed perspective, where all kids are receiving a range of strategies that support them in that learning, then any student um, can participate in that. You know, we talk a lot about it's nothing new to um, have individualized goals. So some students may be working on numeracy within that algebra class, so they may have an adapted, um, their learning objectives might look slightly different from the, the student who's sitting next to them uh, without a disability, who's, who, but that they're, um, they're still working on what we know are essential skills, for college and career readiness. So, you know, when we talk about 21st century skills, which are employers say they're essential, post-secondary campuses say they're essential, those are communication, teamwork, problem-solving, goal-setting, um, being self-monitoring self-motivated those are the skills that all students should be working on including students who have support So
0: needs. you've just described to me what I would definitely call some functional essential functional life skills communication getting along with others being get, getting yes. to and from places on time knowing how to interact in a group uh, uh, but in the old days of special education we had a totally different sort of definition of functional life skills, like making a bed or change for a dollar or. exactly. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about that shift and how we think about like relevant life skills? I mean, what we thought, you know, many years ago and, um, and what we're learning around what, what are essential life skills? And I'm really glad you said that because when you said essential functional life skills, I
1: cringed a little. Oh bit. dear. Sorry. Because <laughs> what I see in high schools in particular there does seem to be a shift. So I think there's a there's the the sort of the general cultural shift particularly within special ed. Yeah. And I will say that from elementary school where we, we can easily talk about we think right. about inclusion differently by the time students well those kids aren't going to be able to be in that class. Right. And they need to focus on functional skills. So we've created functional classrooms. Right. In some states they're called functional classrooms.
0: Right. Life skills classrooms. Life skills classrooms
1: and I taught I did too. Life I did skills classrooms. I had a real strong focus. I spent even though we did, we were included in the high school I taught in. We spent a lot of our day out in the community. Yes. Shop. Community-based instruction. Community-based instruction, and uh, you know there isn't a substantial amount of evidence. 20, 30 years later. I don't know when. Yeah. Last, yeah. So about 30 <laughs> years later, there isn't a substantial lot of evidence that that effort to, first of all, create a completely separate curriculum for a certain class of students Made a difference, right? In their right, right, right. Outcomes.
0: We are not so, seeing increases in employment yeah. or or kids going to college no. as a result of years of functional life skills of classroom and community on based instruction. in a classroom, yeah, yeah, or yeah.
1: having a bed in a classroom that they can work right, on right. those.
0: Learning um, how to set yeah, a table in a classroom. Yeah, that those skills are not going to generalize into
1: the um, into the adult world, right? Um, particularly for students who have a hard time generalizing. Right. That, that that's one of their support needs, then those supports have to occur in the environment in which um, they would need that. So if if they have a job in a hotel and part of that is working in the restaurant and if they're in the catering department, then they need to learn how to set the table in that setting, not in a, in some other setting that where the – the cues and, and environment is not the same. The contextual environment is not the same. But um, I, I think we potentially are going off a little bit. So I I, I believe...
0: You mean in our conversation? Yeah, maybe. No, I don't think so. Okay. I think this is the conversation. Okay. Okay. I think okay. the I think conversation, because I'm in schools all the time, yeah. and you know, yeah. at the high school level, people are still talking about the importance of community-based instruction and life skills classrooms yeah. and you know and I think we're constantly we we are having this conversation now that is what's what's a more important life skill like getting along with others or right. making exactly. your bed and that is a, the shift in focus that I've tried to do
1: particularly since we've seen the college and career readiness standards come into play so the common core and right. those standards using that term college and career readiness um, is really essential because that's for all students. That's right. language that is um, directly focused on um, the general student group. So, so in my mind, we need to use those similar terms. So Absolutely. college and career readiness, and there is a place for all students to, it's not just about academics in high school, and no high school student will tell you I'm only, I'm, I'm here only for the academic content. So there is definitely a place and a strong emphasis on academic content. Uh, similarly, for any student, um, even students who have substantial extensive support needs, that they have, there's a place for them, and the expectation should be that they will continue to work on those their academic skills as well as the other essential skills. That the research is very clear. Not the special ed research. The general ed research has had years of of um, of thought and and understanding of what does it take for young adults to become successful post high school. And it is academic content and academic engagement is one of several domains and elements of success. Others include interpersonal Mm -hmm. engagement, having some of the adult roles and responsibilities and those competencies are critical, including both understanding career culture, so having opportunities for both school-based experiences, career tech ed classes, um, occupational awareness classes for all students, as well as work-based learning. Mm -hmm. So all students should be having opportunities, whether it's service learning, or um, actual internships, and, you know, that's not, those terms are not uncommon within most high schools today. Right, 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 right. And so, in my mind, it makes it even easier for us to be able to think about, okay, students with more significant needs, um, students who have support needs, they should also be experiencing those same Um, opportunities. Mm -hmm. We don't need to create a separate work-study program for students with significant disability when there is an internship program that exists in that high school. That it's so much better to aggregate up for school business partnerships with the partners who are there working on that than to create something separate that is just for a certain group, a subclass within that high school.
0: Right, that comes along with its own Stigma and reputation around how we think about typically
1: not in lower quality. Exactly because special educators, no matter and you know, I train secondary special educators all over the country to be strong secondary transition coordinators. So I've had a program in place for over a decade with that specialized expertise, which is really important, but one of the, the skills that they have to learn is to collaborate with their CTE colleagues. CTE? C- college, uh, career Technical Education. Uh-huh. Because they have a level of expertise around career content that special educators may not. Right. And so that, that is equally important that, they, that, they, that we're partnering with others in a building. And when you get to high schools... There are so many more other types of adults in the building that that provide support and guidance to adolescents mm-hmm. that we we can't continue to be operating in a separate sort of arena down the hall or on another wing.
0: I actually think when we um, move toward high school and th- and all means all that. There are more opportunities for students to be included, involved, welcomed, and have a sense of belonging and learn about sort of post-school opportunities because there is so much diversity within typical high schools uh, for all students to learn those things. What? It but, does take some direct attention. Well, it takes direct attention, <laughs> but of nothing course. Nothing different than what Swift already, right? You right. Know, I think, but that's our direct attention yeah, around yeah. how do we support students? How and, do we
1: how do we transform certain environments? Yes,
0: yes. Um, so that we're
1: successful for all. Yes. Because it's it really in that respect it is no different. You know, there there are other groups of students in high schools who may feel disenfranchised, mm-hmm. and so taking a look at how do we make high schools more inclusive is good not only for the students I care about, it's good for a whole range of students who maybe have not had the attention that they need in order to move on to post-secondary education or to be successful in in a career.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I'm thinking about my local high school. It has... About thirty extracurricular clubs, um, student organizations, and every student is required to participate in at least one. And you, everything from a hip hop club to an origami club to a student leadership club to a, you know, a students in politics club. You name it, there's a club for it. And if you're interested in something and there's not a club, you can invent one. And I, you know, I just love that so many opportunities to get involved. Um, just naturally exist in high schools. But for students with disabilities who many are entitled to be in school until age twenty one, uh, you know, what happens after senior year?
1: Well, that's a really good question. Uh, so so I would agree um, that between uh, ninth grade and twelfth grade, as much as as other students are engaged in school because not all kids, um, my daughter, who just graduated um, and is going on to Chicago to go to school? Um, Congratulations! Is, yeah, it's a, a <laughs> <laughs> there's some shifting there that I have to get over. But but in addition to that, um, she her senior year she had a short schedule. Right. And she worked in the afternoons, right. And so you know, so it's not unusual to see schedule flexibility in high school so that students do have an opportunity. students who need and desire and are, are focused on um, opportunities outside of the high school building get those. So whether it's going on to a dual enrollment, So there's a lot of high school juniors and seniors who take classes
0: at the local community college. Community college. So
1: similar to that expectation, um, but by by senior year, by 18 years old, um, most young people, most adolescents in high school, um, do not need to stay in high school. So So creating the next phase for students who are still. able to be supported and served under IDEA because the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act um, for students who need additional support can be, you can continue services through 21 years old. Uh, You have to look at your community and say, where is a naturally occurring place for students who are over 18 who have spent four years in high school to be? And uh, in our community, it, it, because we are a university community, it's at a post-secondary setting.
0: Mm-hmm. So you're saying that the, um, the general public schools, uh, that it's, can, they can support students outside of the school building. So Absolutely. So the public Absolutely. school environment can be supporting students in post-secondary experiences or uh, exploring employment. Absolutely. Uh, doing volunteer work, internships, extended learning opportunities, but all of those should take place in the community. In the community, outside of Of the high high school school building. building. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I think we're on the same page. We think Yes, yes, that's great. That's great. Well, this has been um, a really informative, insightful, thoughtful conversation. Um, And I'm wondering if you have a story to share. I mean, I'll... The evidence-based practices, the innovations, this conversation we're having—bring it to life for the student. Do you have any students that you've been supporting who've been benefiting from these experiences? Uh, yeah, uh, there's
1: uh, there's a couple of students I might do a little bit of a you know a little bit of a combo uh, to get a sense of this. Uh, students that I've supported, and also students that um, there's one student I'm thinking about who. Um, recently speaking with his family about and him about his experience. A student with um, pretty, subs- you know, with the label autism, pretty significant support needs. Uh, probably the best thing that happened to that family was they started his school life in a fully inclusive preschool. So from the beginning, the expectation was that he would be fully included with his peers. Without disabilities, um, he is not a big talker. He doesn't like change. Um, he has very strong um, points of interest. Uh, you know, he is is not atypical from anybody else who says, "Well, what about this kid? Mm-hmm, what about this mm-hmm. kid?" So, but from the beginning, the belief was the best place to work on and to learn was from peers without disabilities. So he really spent most of his time in school, beginning in preschool. I think he did, he's, actually, they had him in a kindergarten class um, at age five. And then he spent, he, he sort of doubled up on kindergarten. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then he was included throughout his elementary school years um, into middle school and high school, um, he did have opportunities for work-based learning, so there was the um, the understanding of the career awareness. You know, oftentimes I think what happens for a lot of students with significant support needs is they um, they may not ha- they may not have the, um, for example, if they don't have an opportunity to spend the night at someone's house.
0: Right, right. Some of
1: the sort of what Rites of
0: passage. Is, mm-hmm.
1: if, the, if they're not having those those early experiences, it gets so much harder to talk to families about yeah, yeah. adult life yeah. and living on your own or going to work. And so he was a young man. So having those experiences throughout, it, it it's, it's better for the student, for everyone. It's better for the student it's better for the peers because they see that disability and diversity is a natural part of life. Um, it's a lot better for families because they are able to to look beyond a certain lens and to think about high expectations for future adulthood. Uh, so it's really better for everyone in terms of the long-term planning. He did have opportunities for work-based learning. Um, as well as he did not remain in high school after age 18. Mm. So I think that's really important. You know, yeah. Yeah. Because schools are responsible for, um, for supporting certain students up until age 21, there's often the assumption, well, they'll just stay in high school until right. 21. They'll stay in the high school classroom um, he did have an opportunity to go to a vocational technical school and, and begin to work on a much more focused career development, um, career classes, and then work-based learning. Mm-hmm. So the, the internship part becomes um, equally important. Yep. Uh, it, he was from a, a, a... He is, I should say, from a a, a small community. And so he has maintained... As an adult, he has maintained his circle of friends from high school. Nice. So the friends he made in high school, the friends he made um, at his church, have maintained uh, into adulthood.
0: So he's a grown-up now.
1: He is. With he's a job? A, with a job. He's been at his job. I think he's gotten the 10-year pin Whoa. for this, the job <laughs> where, where he... Uh, where he, I think he got that, you know.
0: Well, that's a great day, at least 10 story, years and I,
1: ago. So, yeah.
0: That really and, oh, yeah, illustrates. Here's
1: the, here's the other really interesting part. I had mentioned he's not a big talk. You know, he's yeah. he's not a big talker in the sense that he does. He has a lot to say. He just doesn't. Exp- he expresses it in a range of ways. Most recently, he has taken on running his own support team. And he's starting to um, get into legislative advocacy. So he met with his senator recently um, to advocate for continuing individualized supports for adults with disabilities. So he has continues, as we all do, even um, as old adults, older adults, we continue to um, grow and expand our skills and have new experiences. So that has continued for him as well.
0: Wow, that um, yeah. that is a fantastic story, and I think mm-hmm. it really illustrates all means all from from kindergarten through from preschool through mm-hmm. high school graduation till and beyond college and um, lots of opportunities. And I think learning yeah, yeah. is a one more thing I have to say. Yes, and I know you can. You guys
1: little, we may be wrapping up.
0: We're wrapping up. Okay, I thought <laughs> we
1: would, be. but I do have to say this because I would be remiss not to, as a teacher educator. Um, All means all, and that includes teacher education. Oh,
0: that's a whole nother podcast. Okay.
1: Okay. But we cannot continue to substantially separate special education training from general education training. We have to figure out how to, to merge that so all educators in buildings see themselves in the critical role of supporting all students in the oh,
0: You know, if this was a blog post, we'd be highlighting, bolding that sentence right now. So okay. <laughs> um, maybe we can get you to write yeah, us a blog post. One. Yeah, the okay, next yeah, one, for agree. sure. I mean, these- yeah, yeah, uh, yay. Um, yay, thank you so much, Mary. This has been a terrific conversation. And again, if you want to learn more, listeners go to the transitioncoalition.org and uh, explore those opportunities and additionally swiftschools.org plenty of resources there past podcasts blog posts through swift talk our swift shelf um, all of our uh policy briefs, training materials and tools you can find there on SwissSchools.org and we really appreciate your, your time spent listening so thank you Mary. Thank you.